School might be out for the summer, but let's study up on what it means to be a follower of Jesus in our series, Christianity 101, from the book of 1 John. Um, but this morning, we continue on our series of messages entitled Christianity 101, and we're in the book of 1 John, the book of 1 John. And as I've said, John is speaking, he's writing to a church that is predominantly second and third generation Christians, um, removed from the original apostles, most of them, and, and from the time when Jesus was here on this earth. And there were so many things happening in their world, and John was afraid that they were going to lose a sense of what the gospel was really all about and what it really means to live as a believer, as a follower of Jesus in the world in which they lived. And so he, he takes them back to the basics. And that's what we mean by 101, Christianity 101, getting back to the basics of our faith as Christians and the way it is that Christ has called us to live. And this morning we're in 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 28. And I'm going to read down through chapter 3, verse 10. This is where we left off last week. And so John writes, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See, see what great love the father has lavished on us or how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. But the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. For everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. And this morning, our message is entitled Living as Children of God. Living as Children of God. Will you pray with me? And so, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning for your word and pray that you would use it to teach us, to speak to our hearts and to lead us in an understanding of who it is you have made us and how it is you have called us to live our lives. So we bless you. We thank you for your word this morning. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before we get going, I have a little video clip that I want to show you that will serve as an illustration uh, regarding some of the things we're going to talk about this morning. And so here, we'll let it play for you. Amelia, 
have you ever heard of Edouard Christophe Philippe Gerard Rinaldi? No. He was the crown prince of Genovia. Hmm. What about him? Edouard Christophe Philippe Gerard Rinaldi was your father. <laughs> yeah, sure. My father was the prince of Genovia. Uh-huh, you're joking. Why would I joke about something like that? No, no, because if he's really a prince, then I... Exactly. You're not just Amelia Thermopolis. You are Amelia Mignonette Thermopolis Renaldi, Princess of Genovia. Me? A, a princess? Shut up! I beg your pardon? Shut up? Your Majesty, in America, it doesn't always mean be quiet. Here it could mean wow, gee whiz, golly wallies. Oh, I, I understand. Thank you. Nevertheless, you are the princess. And I... I'm Queen Clarice Rinaldi. Why on earth would you pick me to be your princess? Since your father died, you are the natural heir to the throne of Genovia. That's our law. I'm royal by marriage. You are royal by blood. You can rule. Rule? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. Now you have really got the wrong girl. I never lead anybody. Not at, not at brownies, not at campfire oh, girls. I... Um, Queen Clarice, my expectation in life is to be invisible, and I'm good at it. Amelia, I had other expectations also. In my wildest dreams, I never expected this to happen. But you are the legal heir, the only heir to the Genovian throne, and we will accept the challenge of helping you become the princess that you are. Oh, I can give you books. You will study languages, history, art, political science. I can teach you to walk, talk, sit, stand, eat, dress like a princess. Given time, I think you'll find the palace in Genovia a very pleasant place to live. Live in it's Genovia? It's a country, Amelia, really. Whoa, whoa, just rewind and freeze! I'm no princess. I am still waiting for normal body parts to arrive. I refuse to move to and rule a country. And do you want another reason? I don't want to be a princess. Oh, uh, Amelia. Well, I don't know how many of you have ever seen um, Princess Diaries. Uh, oh, there it goes again. No, there we go. Okay, there we go. So I don't know how many of you have ever seen Princess Diaries, but that's just kind of one of the key scenes there. And obviously, Amelia was much more than she ever imagined she was or could be. And that day, her grandmother spoke to her. And as she did, her grandmother gave to her a brand new identity. For Amelia was royalty. And from that point on, her life would never be the same. Well, you know, in this next portion of John's letter, John makes a statement that's as shocking as the one made by Amelia's grandmother that day. Now, I would say even more shocking. For he says that we who are followers of Jesus Christ, that we are children of God. I mean, think of it. It's as shocking as Amelia finding out that she's the daughter of a prince, and yes, even more so. For to think today that we who sit here today, whether you're in the sanctuary or online, 
But we who know we have so many faults and have so many issues and we have sinned so many times, but to think that as we've put our faith in Jesus, we have become children of the God of heaven and earth, the one who's the creator of all things, the one who rules over all things. I mean, come on, church. It's shocking and it's amazing. And it's a life-changing statement for when we begin to realize who we are, life will not and cannot ever be the same. You see, John's statement is all about our identity as followers of Jesus, that we have been given a new identity. It's a statement that informs us regarding who we are and how it is we are then to go on to live our lives and what the future holds. But the fact is, listen, our identity affects so much of who we are, how we live, the way we see ourselves, the way we understand who we are. It affects what it is we seek to achieve, how it is we carry ourselves. Our identity so often affects what it is we pursue, how we interact with others, what we do with our lives. Listen, if, if a child's been told all their life, you're a nobody, you're a nobody, you're a nobody, they're going to carry that identity with them into the future, and they will live as a nobody. I remember, you know, when Kim and I were first married, and again, we celebrated 35 years of marriage last, last week, and, um, you know, and after leaving that altar, right, suddenly I realized, okay, I'm not just Tim Harris the guy, I'm Tim Harris the husband, and it began to change the way I thought about myself and, 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 and my whole perspective on how I was responsible, not just for myself, but now for a wife. And then along came the kids, and now I'm not just Tim Harris, the guy, or Tim Harris, the husband, but I'm Tim Harris, the dad, the father. And again, a whole change in perspective as I realized, like, like I've been given this new identity. And so it would affect me. For the rest of my life, even today, in the movie, Amelia had to wrestle with her new identity. She wasn't just an average teenager, but she was royalty. And at that moment, everything was beginning to change. And you see, such is the case for, for us as followers of Jesus Christ. We've been given a brand new identity that affects the way we think of ourselves, what it is we, we seek to achieve, how it is we live our lives, what it is we pursue, what it is we hope for. And I want you to notice with me today a few things that John tells us about our identity as children of God. The first thing is this that our identity as children of God is a result of God's incredible, his lavish love. It's a result of his love, not because of what we've done, not because we've earned it or deserved it. We've been good boys and good girls, and so God comes along and says, well, I pick you, and I pick you, and I pick you. No, it's not that at all. John wrote it this way, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It's, it's an exclamation of wonder and amazement. The King James says it this way, behold, what manner of love is this? Actually, literally, in the Greek, it's this, from what country, race, or tribe? It's an idiomatic expression we might say today, where in the world did such love come from? I mean, this is a love that's so great that literally it's out of this world. 
And it's a love, though, that's been lavished on us. King James says bestowed on us. The word speaks of giving freely and generously. It's unearned. It's an incredibly lavish gift. In other words, church, this otherworldly love has been generously, freely, and extravagantly poured out upon us. John is saying this is absolutely amazing. Can someone say amen? This is absolutely amazing. And the end result of that love is that we should be called children of God. And he goes on to say, and that is what we are. In other words, we haven't just been called children of God. We can be called a lot of things. But it doesn't mean that's what we are. But John says, that's what you've been called because that is what you are. This is your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. This is for real. You see, John understood that we don't deserve to be called children of God, that we could never earn that title or that place in God's, God's kingdom. Thus, this is something that we ought not take for granted and that we ought not take lightly. It's an incredible thought to consider the tremendous love that God has poured out upon us such that as we put our faith in Jesus, we are adopted into God's family and we are made co-heirs with Christ as our brother. We are no longer merely God's creation, but now we are his children. Let me tell you what, church, this is better than finding out that we're children of some earthly prince or king. So much better. And some of us today maybe need to begin to see ourselves in a whole new way. This is not just about positive thinking. This is not about a stroke on the back. But this, John is saying, is reality. This isn't just to make us feel good. But this is about understanding all that God has done for us through Jesus Christ and his call upon our lives. For it's an identity that is meant to affect every part of our lives, how we think, how we live, what we pursue, how we worship, how we work, and so forth. And that leads us to our second point this morning, that John says to us, and our identity as children of God changes the way we live. It's meant to change the way we live our lives. For again, John's purpose is not just to make us feel good about ourselves so we can walk around, hey, I'm a, I'm a child of God, I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, you know, and just kind of like strut our stuff. He's not a positive, positive thinking preacher. But rather, his purpose is for us to understand that because of our new identity, we now have a new obligation, a call upon our lives to now live our lives in a whole new way. Listen, a prince, a princess, is as, even as they're birthed into this world, they're then trained how to live as royalty. Amelia, on the other hand, she didn't grow up in a royal environment, and so she needed a lot more training. If you watch the rest of the movie, it becomes a little hilarious, the kind of training that she had to go through. But ultimately, her life was going to have to reflect her status, her identity as royalty. She was expected to live according to the fact that she was indeed a princess. Listen, we know... We know that because we are not naturally children of God, but instead children of this world, we need lots and lots of training and instruction, do we not? 
We need lots of drink. And it takes a lot of effort on our part to begin to understand what it means to live as God's children, what it means to live our lives in a whole new way, to begin to comprehend even that we're called to live according to this new identity that God has given to us within his kingdom and his family. Now, let me just make a note here, and that is this. Righteousness that John speaks about here, or right living, is not the cause of our new birth. Right? You can't birth yourself by being good enough into God's kingdom or into his family. But rather, righteousness or right living is the result of, it is the outflow of our new birth. Right living or a transformed life, John is telling us, is the evidence that we've been born again and have become children of God. And it's interesting, but John is not afraid of setting out a clear contrast, saying to us, listen, Basically, there's only two kinds of people, those who are children of God and those who are not. And those who are not, he even goes on to, and this, this, this doesn't go over well today, I'm sure, right? But he even calls them children of the devil. I don't know that I have the guts to do that myself, but John does that, you know? And John points out that the two live very differently from one another. The people of this world, you see, they continue to love this world. They live their lives according to the standards of this world, according to its patterns of sinful patterns that, that continue to destroy people's lives. They destroy our world, our societies, our cultures. Patterns that John would say originate from the devil himself. Patterns like selfishness and greed and lies and impurity and anger and hatred and so forth. That's why John calls the people of this world children of the devil. But he goes on, but he show, goes on and shows us here that children of God live in a different way. Look what he says in chapter 2, verse 29. He says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Or chapter 3, verse 7, he says, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. John is saying, listen, there's people who are teaching like, oh, you just believe this and believe that. It doesn't matter how you live your life because the only thing that counts is your spirit. Your body doesn't count. John's like, no, no, no. What you do in your life, how you live your life will reveal to whom you belong. And that is we live... Now, as children of God, according to God's standards of right and wrong, we live according to our new identity that we've been given, this new household to which we belong. See, children of God, they live like their father would have them to live in a way that represents that they're part of God's family and in a way that would please their heavenly father. Yeah, I may have shared this before, but when our children were young, you know, they would go on their... I don't know where the term came from, the play dates, you know? You know they went on their play dates. They'd go to a friend's house. And, and fortunately for Kim and I, it wasn't all that uncommon for a parent to say to us, man, your kids are so polite. I mean, they say please, they say thank you, they sit down so nice. And Kim and I are like, really? Like, those are our kids? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, because I mean, you know the way it is. You know, they don't always behave like that at home, you know? Right? But on the other hand, it made us proud that in somehow when they left our home, they reflected, they were reflecting the values that we had taught them and the behaviors that we taught them. They somehow began, began to reflect that they belonged to our household, that we were their mom and dad. And listen, God's children are expected to live in, 
according to their identity as children of God, the ways and standards of their father, the values of their father in a way that would make him proud. Does that mean that children of God never sin? Well, of course not. John has already told us in his epistle, listen, listen, don't deny your sin. Confront it, confess it, right? But the New International Version has it right, like in verse 6, when it translates the verbs as those who keep on sinning, who continues in sin, who they go on sinning. The, the, the words there are active and present tense verbs that imply habit, continuity, unbroken sequence. In other words, although a child of God might mess up here and there, and how many of us know we mess up? Come on, in the sanctuary here, you guys online there, right? Right? We mess up. We commit sin, but a child of God doesn't continue in a lifestyle of sin, rejecting God's ways. So John wrote in verse 10, anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. John might say, listen, John might say to some people in the church today who kind of walk around saying, I'm a child of God, kind of strutting their stuff. John might say to some, listen, how can you call yourself a child of God when you continue to live your life as you do? continuing in sin, living the very same way the world around you lives? How can you call yourself a child of God when there's no distinction between the way you live and the way the people of this world live? For children of God live like children of God. Because we've been born again and adopted into God's family, because God in his great love has called us his children, we begin to live our lives in a whole new way. Our identity reveals itself through a new way of life. And the third thing that John says to us this morning is this. Our identity as children of God gives us new hope. Aren't you glad for that today? It gives us new hope. You know, in the Princess Diaries, Amelia was told... told who she really was, again, given this new identity. Very soon the training began, but that was only the beginning. For so much more was yet to come. Her future would be so much greater and so much bigger than she could ever have imagined, than she could ever have anticipated or thought of. All, and all she could do at that moment was begin to anticipate and prepare for that which was yet to come. You know, children of God live filled with constant, constant anticipation. For as we look in the New Testament, we find that one of the things that marked the followers of Jesus right from the start was the fact that they constantly lived with his promise in view. The promise that he will one day return. The promise that one day we will see him again. See, followers of Jesus, children of God, they're never fully satisfied with even the best that this world has to offer. Oh, listen, we can achieve a lot. We can get a lot. You know, we can buy a lot. And, and yet, yet somehow our hearts are not satisfied. For you see, there's a longing in our hearts as God's children. There's a stirring in our souls for something more, for a different world, for something beyond what this world has to offer. For the day when we will see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, John, John, John admits, he says, listen, I don't have it all figured out. He admits, I, you know, we don't know it all. We don't understand it all. But what he knows, he lays out that one, Jesus will appear. That is, he will return in physical form. That secondly, we will see him and we will see him face to face. And thirdly, that we will become like him. For right now, we're being changed bit by bit. Paul says, 
going from glory to glory. But at that moment when we see him, we will be transformed completely into all that God has planned for us to be. Our identity as children of God will be made complete. It will be totally fulfilled. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Paul puts it this way in Philippians 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And so as children of God, we've been given an incredible hope. We live our lives with an incredible amount of anticipation, longing and waiting for the day of Jesus' return. And so all that we can do at this juncture is then to prepare ourselves for the day of his return. So what do we do? He tells us in chapter 2, verse 28, we continue in him. We continue in him. That is, we refuse to let anything or anyone pull us away from Jesus. Amen? We're not going to let anyone or anything pull us away from Jesus. We're going to continue in him. And he says in chapter 3, verse 3, because we have this hope, we purify ourselves. That is, we refuse to, to continue in sin. Yes, God has forgiven us of our sin. God has, has, has saved us. He's wiped the slate clean. But now we go on to purify ourselves. How? By We cut out anything in our lives that would either hinder our relationship with Jesus or that would draw us away from him. We get rid of anything that will be considered unrighteous. Jesus says, you pluck out your eye, you cut off your hand, you get rid of anything that would hinder your walk with Jesus. Why? Because we want to be ready to meet him. We want to stand before him, as John says, confident and unashamed. Con oh, listen, when Jesus comes, I don't want to be like this. Oh, no, Jesus. You know, I want to be confident and unashamed, saying, Jesus, I welcome you. I'm so glad you're here. Now, oh, no, Jesus, you came. Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. You're going to fulfill your transforming. We see him face to face. Everything changes. And so we say, I'm going to continue with Jesus. And I'm going to purify myself. I'm going to get rid of anything that would hinder my walk with him. You know, John wrote in his gospel in John chapter 1. And he wrote these words. He was in, speaking of Jesus, he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Aren't you glad for that? But rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And so by him we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. For the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now we are, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I think of Jesus' words as he taught us to pray. He taught us to come like little children coming to their good, good father, saying, our father who is in heaven. We come. We come into the presence of God before the throne of God as children coming to their father. 
You see, church, this is all very basic to the Christian faith and the Christian way of life. That those who put their faith in Jesus Christ as God's son, as their savior, those who commit themselves to following him, they receive a brand new identity by means of God's love. They become children of God. Listen, the world around us kind of talks like everybody's, everybody's a child of God. That's not what the Bible teaches us. We are all God's creation. We're all God's creation. But here's the thing. We've fallen away. Yeah, when we were first created, we were created as part of his household, but we rebelled and we fell away. And through Jesus Christ, God has made a way for us to come back into his family, to be adopted back into his family, to be born again. As we're born again, we now experience the extravagant love of God that transforms us. And yes, he adopts us and he gives us the status and the right and privileges of his sons and daughters. We become his children. Oh, listen, if you're here in the sanctuary or out there listening online and you've never taken that step to say, Jesus, I put my faith in you as God's son. I give myself to following you. And God, I ask you, that through Jesus and by the work of your spirit, that you would come, you would embrace me, you would forgive me of my sin, you would make my life new, and you would give me that new identity that I might be able to say, yes, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And as we receive that new identity, we then go on to live whole new lives. Listen, church, it's a challenge to us, living according to the standards and values of our new father. And we then go on to live our lives filled with a brand new hope, anticipating and preparing for that day when Jesus appears. For we believe that on the day that Jesus appears, we will see him and we shall be like him. And so today we say with John, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. Would you say it with me? That is what we are. That is what we are, children of the Most High God. Will you bow your heads with me? Worship team, would you come? And right now, wherever you are, here in the sanctuary, at home, online, would you just begin to pray? And, and for one, if you know that that you have been adopted into God's family through your faith in Jesus, that you are called a child of God. Will you just begin to thank him? Just say thank you. How great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us, upon me, that we would be called children of God. And others of you this morning, maybe, maybe, well, you've given your life to following Jesus, but, but you know you haven't been living in a way that, that honors, that pleases your heavenly Father. Maybe right now you need to repent. John says, listen, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just, will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. Maybe right now you just need to repent of some things you've allowed into your life, some things that you need to cut out. And just say, God, today I give my life to you anew to live for you, to live as your child, to please you and honor you with my life. And this morning, Let's just thank the Lord for the hope that we have. And maybe someone out there again, today you need to give your life to God through faith in his, in his son Jesus and receive the, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life and forgiveness that he's given to you, that he's offered to you, that today you might take on a whole new identity and begin to live your life 
being called a son or daughter of the Most High God. Father, Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you this morning that you have made us your children, not because of anything we deserved, not because of any effort of our own, but because of your grace, your mercy, and your lavish love that's been poured upon us through, the, through your son, Jesus Christ through his death, his resurrection, through the outpouring of your spirit, your spirit at work in our lives, that today we can cry out, Abba, Abba, Daddy, Father. I pray for someone who maybe today is reaching out to you for the first time. Maybe they've been told all their life that they're a nobody, that they're a nothing, that they'll never be any good or be able to achieve anything. Or maybe their whole identity has been wrapped up in their achievements, in, their, in the corporate world, in the money they make, or whatever it is. But today they know they need a new identity, an identity that comes from, from the God of heaven and earth. God, as they reach out to you right now, would you touch them? Would you minister to them? Would you, would you let them know your great love that you have for them today? And I pray that, God, that, that they would come to know all that you have offered to them through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it's in his name we pray. It's in his name we pray. If you're out there.